Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. We finally made it, folks. After a nine and a half month hiatus, college tennis has finally returned to our lives. We have the ITA kickoff weekend this weekend. Of course, our Cracked Rackets team going to be covering that in a multitude of ways. We'll talk about that later on on different shows throughout the week. But of course, we still have one team to go here in our 2021 College Contenders Series. We have broken down our top 11, or top 10, I should say, 10 of our top 11, there it is, leave it in, Westoff, preseason teams thus far, but we have reached the number one team in our Cracked Rackets preseason poll. By now, you've probably guessed who that team is, but in case you haven't, joining me today to talk about them, the other two members of our Cracked Rackets, College Tennis Holy Trinity, let's start where we always start. You know him as the former four-star recruit, your favorite writer on our website, CrackedRackets.com, the other half of Baylor's Nick Stokowiak. It's Matt the Crack Stokowiak. Matty, hey, great shot as always. We've made it. We're here. We've done it. I don't know what else to ask you except for let's go, right? That's it, man. Another year, college contenders. We've done it again. Um, it's been a, been a ton of fun, and obviously we saved the best for last year. So uh, looking forward to talking uh, some North Carolina tennis here with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. It is a huge credit to you, Maddie. You wrote about each of these teams on our website, CrackRackets.com. If any of you listeners have missed any of it, you can go find all of Maddie's work up there. Of course, a huge shout out to our other member of our Holy Trinity. I'll bring him in now. You know him as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR. One of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames. The professor, the snitch, lover of almond joys, lover of uh, mother. The one-shouldered designer, it's Chris Hallioris. Chris, hey, great shot as always. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit peeved at you. Can you guess why? Can I guess why? This is always a good question. It it can't be my snide remark about Michigan coming in at number four 15 minutes ago. (laughs) Other than that, no, I can't guess. Well, honestly, I don't even remember hearing you say that. I was so in my own thing. No, I am mad at you because, and this is just an ego thing for me. Great place to start today's podcast. We're at the number one team. There's going to be a lot of ego in today's discussion. Uh, when we, uh, for our listeners out there who I don't know if we'll have recorded our mailbag by the time you guys hear this, if we haven't sent in your questions, oh, one of our first yeah. questions, Jay goes, and this is to college tennis ranks specifically. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, what about Chris? makes you think he's an expert do we really is it because we call him the professor do i have to start stop calling him the professor but no obviously uh not actually upset with you but my ego i was i was wounded that's it i'm taking my shirt right off for you now jay Oh, it's for all of us. We appreciate that. No, but of course, Chris, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And again, we have so much college tennis coverage for all of you listeners in preparation for this weekend's ITA kickoff events. If you have not already, go check out our ITA kickoff weekend preview. I am sure that show will be released by the time you are hearing this. If not, be on the lookout for it. Of course, we have our super mailbag where we make some predictions of the year, some fake props. We guess some over-unders, have a ton of 
of fun with that as well. And then, of course, if you want to hear from Coach Sam Paul, the head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels, head on over to our Cracked Interviews podcast. Chris and I have not yet spoken to him, but we are sure to do so before, again, this podcast is released. And by the way, just before we get into today's show, 11 up, 11 down, as you mentioned, Maddie, second straight year. We've had this degree of success with the coaches, with these teammates, and so a huge shout-out to all of them, to the 11 coaches that took the time to speak with us, to Kyle Spencer, who hopped on the podcast as well. I'm sure I'm forgetting others who we've spoken with, but thank you for your cooperation, your patience with us, your tolerance of our nonsense. A huge thank you to all of your listeners for sticking with us. Again, we are so close to having actual tennis results to discuss, and rest assured, Maddie, Chris, and I will be back here again once a week, each every week throughout this college tennis season to discuss all of the action that unfolds. But we still have one show to go here on our College Contender Series. We have to talk about the number one team in our preseason poll. So with that in mind, Westoff, give me that College Contender sound effect, please. All right, Maddie. we start with the unanimous number one team in our preseason poll. The only ranking, I believe, all three of us agreed on, of course, as you mentioned, that is the number one University of North Carolina Tar Heels. And look, the Tar Heels didn't win the national indoors. They lost to USC. But outside of that, the 2019-2020 season was going probably exactly to script for Coach Paul and the Tar Heels, and you just look at whether this team left off. I mean, I'll let you take the first swing at it. Why are we so excited about this Tar Heel team heading into 2021? Yeah, last year, I mean, if you guys take a look back at this, they UNC was just steamrolling opponents. I mean, they weren't just winning matches. They were blowing teams out. They actually didn't lose a point, a single point, in a dual match until they got to the national indoors and they played South Carolina. That's just disrespectful. Okay. I mean, they're just blowing teams out. Very good teams, by the way. I mean, we're not talking about cupcakes. We're talking about very, very good college tennis teams that they were just steamrolling. And obviously they had the setback, you know, against USC, but guys, you were there. And don't you just feel like, like I remember streaming this match if Will Blumberg and Brian Cernock would have won that doubles match like they should have, they should have won that doubles match. Carolina takes the doubles point. Don't you guys feel like that thing could have gone another direction? Because I do. When they lost that doubles point, it was like, ah, okay, that was, I mean, that was a gut punch. It was going to be tough for them to recover from that. Every other match that they played, I mean, look, they steamroll Florida. They steamroll Ohio State. You know, they win a couple of conference matches after the indoors against Virginia Tech, NC State, who was a very good team. They had it all, guys. They were rolling. And and still, for me, even though they had that setback to USC, North Carolina was still my favorite to win the entire thing. I picked that last year, and, and I still felt good about that when the season got cut short. Yeah, so 
I'm going to ask you to hold that thought on the Will Blumberg up 5-4 mini break lead at the, in the tiebreaker at number one doubles because I promise you Chris and I are probably going to do, I don't know, six, seven, eight minutes on that topic. We'll get there. But to a point you made there, Maddie, uh, this team, which finished obviously the 2020 season 12-1 and with unfinished business, the one loss coming to the USC Trojans, they won, as you mentioned, I believe their first, what was it, two plus two plus three, so that's seven plus three is 10. They won their first 10 matches. They dropped two individual points during that run. Two individual points. And they weren't beating up, and I'm sorry, the school is not a team you beat up. This is just the first thing that popped in my head. They're not beating up on the Coastal Carolinas or the Waffords of the world or the random match against, you know, they're playing, again, first thing that pops into my mind here is like a ball state. They're not doing that. The wins early in the season for them, they come, uh, you know, against South Carolina 4-0. They beat Illinois 4-0. They go to TCU and beat them 6-0. I mean, yeah, they had some, you know, powder puff wins over North Carolina Central, over Wofford, Elon, Georgia State, fine. But, you know, they beat South Carolina pretty comfortably in that first match. I know it was 4-2. The losses came at four and six singles. But, you know, Blumberg was in control of his match against Jubb the whole time. They won the doubles points. Seguin got off the court pretty quickly. And again, they played two matches in 12 days. It's hard enough to beat a team twice during the course of a season, let alone twice in 12 days. We've talked on previous podcasts about the 45-minute blitzing North Carolina put on Ohio State. In my opinion, and Chris, this is where I want to bring you into the conversation, that was not North Carolina's most uh, impressive performance of the National Indoors. Their most impressive performance of the National Indoors was the beatdown they put on Florida because that Florida team didn't have, not an excuse, but Ohio State played a 4-3 match until midnight the night before against Wake Forest. This Florida team, which should have won the national championship in 2019, which brought back Crawford, Riffis, Valle, Andrade, Inglidson, and brought in, you know, Bicknell and Goodger and Will Grant and all these different pieces last season. Uh, this team was expected to put on a fight. If you recall, the joke was, congratulations, Wisconsin, you get to play Florida in the first round of the national indoors. Now, that's not what happened, but this match was over in maybe an hour 15, Chris. Like, the doubles point decisively going Carolina's way. Blumberg beat Crawford worse than I have seen any player beat another one singles player uh, between relatively equal schools maybe ever in a college tennis match in person. And that's not against Oliver Crawford. That's just how well Will was playing. Rinky Hijikata, 4-4 four and four off the court, no issue. Cernok, 1-1 one one over Inglidson. This North Carolina, I mean, there's a reason both you and I thought North Carolina was going to beat a USC team that had an injured or sick Brandon Holt at the number one singles position because to Matt's point, getting to watch them in, in person, it wasn't just that they were winning matches. It was the way they were winning matches, right? It was beatdown after beatdown. Yeah, and I mean, it, it would have been nice because the, the, the three remaining matches had a chance to be competitive, right? I mean, you know, one of them already in a third set and the others had the, the the potential to go there. But none of the other matches, you know, after they took the doubles point and they took it comfortably, uh, a- after they did that, they just got three really quick straight set wins and it was over. So, you know, the fact, you know, yeah, Vale managed to go four and four with Rinky and that was the only, you know, competitive, if you will. You mentioned Crawford goes down two and three and Engelson one and one. I mean, they were done in a heartbeat. Uh, and, and it five was, first yeah, sets. 
Carolina won five first sets in singles. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. I mean, it was like Florida. Never, they they never. You know, usually there's this moment where oh, there's a little momentum swing, and you you know you know it's coming. It's like watching an NBA game, right? Yeah, you don't have to watch till the fourth quarter because that's when it gets interesting. If you had done that here, you'd by the time you turned the TV on, they were already gone. Uh, I mean, Florida never made that push to get the momentum going in their favor. Uh, North Carolina just went and blitzed. Yeah, they made some pushes on a couple courts, but not enough to even keep the match alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, look, I, I, you look at the the wins they had, 12-1, and one, you know, the win at NC State 4-0 right before the season was canceled. That was a really impressive win given that NC State team had just beaten Texas at home outdoors. That was an outdoor match as well. We mentioned the fact that you beat Ohio State inside. Doesn't really matter the circumstances. That's always impressive. Wins over Florida, TCU, two over South Carolina. They were building the resume to be the number one team in the country, and the stats reflect their record, right? It's not like they were playing, as we've mentioned, these 4-3 matches. You know, Blumberg, 10-0 at the number one singles position. We all agreed. He was the best player in the country last year. Wasn't particularly close. You know, Rinki Hijikata, 4-0 at the three singles position, but they were 7-0 at that flight overall. They were 10-1 at the number five singles position, the only loss coming from Cernok, I believe, in that ITA National Indoor Final. 6-1 at six singles. You know, again, five and two and six and two at the other flights. You look for in doubles, eight and two at one doubles, Blumberg and Cernok, nine and one at two doubles, Kiger and Sundegard. And by the way, the only ranked or unranked team in their doubles lineup is their only undefeated team, the eight and O team of Seguin and Hijikata, who are their two and three singles players. And it's legitimate to have them at three doubles. So the talent speaks for itself. And yet, and I want to go back to you here, Chris, because we were in person. 5-4, mini break lead. Two serves, not on the Brian Cernock racket, but on the Will Blumberg racket. And Cookerman and Smith are the preseason number one doubles team in the country, and they're outstanding. There is no taking away the fact that those two made two returns, put two balls on the target. If memory serves me correctly, I think Cernock missed a first volley. The second one, Blumberg let bounce, and so they got that ball got behind him. Then Cookerman Smith on top of the net, they end up putting the ball away. You have to take those two. You have to. And Will Blumberg's a very calm guy, but we saw him after that moment, Chris, just light into his team in uh, in between the doubles and singles. And you just have to wonder if something like that sticks with you, right? Because that was you, you could feel that moment and the looseness of that USC team. Once they took the doubles point, it was like, oh man, like they're probably the favorites now. Well, yeah, first, I mean, first in the doubles match, that, that was just shocking, right? I mean, you've got... Blumberg serving up 5-4, the match is over. I mean, I mean, should you you're thinking that, you know, there's a good probably 70% chance they grab those two points and we're done. Uh and yeah, I think that I mean the the and I believe you're right. It was I couldn't remember if it was the first or the second of the points, but I remember the Cernock the Cernock miss and I thought, "Wow, that's, you know, that one that one's going to sting." But even at that, you know, all that did was get him back on serve. Uh, you know, I I thought that, you know, that they would still be able to to hold on but losing that doubles point you're right Blumberg really you know you could tell they they could sense at that point they I'm I'm sure they had to think they were you know the way they've been steamrolling everybody they had to think they were the favorite coming in and had to feel pretty good about it obviously I know USC is a really good team but 
But yeah, you drop that doubles point and all of a sudden you're going, Hey boys, we got to win four of these matches. Uh, and you know, and I think we all thought that number six spot for them last year was suspect no matter what. I mean, we didn't even know who it was going to be. Was it going to be Sondergaard? Was it going to be Kyger? Who's going to come in? Who's going to be there? Uh, and nobody particularly lighting it up. So, um, thinking to yourself already that that spot is suspect now you're going wow that could be two points we got to get four of these top five it's you know it's going to be tough and indeed it was Mm -hmm. and to your point you know or you know we've talked about uh the blumberg cernok doubles match but the fact that it was a wounded brandon holt with more bullets and they beat the team of kiger and sondergaard 6-2 and, I mean, that match was right next to our center court, Chris. It just felt like every doubles point, every break was going to Holton Bullis. And that's just a match you have to win if you're UNC because, look, moving forward, you bring back all of these doubles teams, all of these talents. There's no reason North Carolina can't be the best doubles point in the country. You know, that they can go up 1-0 in every match they play. And that's, again, not to be disrespectful to the SCs, to Baylor, which with all of their pieces now, Baylor probably right up there with them. But in blumberg Cernok, in Kyger-Sondergaard, and honestly, in Seguin Hijikata, you have three teams all capable of playing the number one position at any school in the country. And just to have that sort of talent, to know that in 95% of the matches you play, you're probably going to go up 1-0. That's so big for this Trojan team. And that the fact that they didn't win that doubles point uh, was, was certainly surprising because, again, they get that one point. Now the board opens up a little bit. Yeah, Blumberg gets the easy win, so now maybe you're at two. And Sondergaard, Hinchikata, they, you know, Hinchikata, the freshman against Smith, do you love him there? Maybe not. But Sondergaard against Fry, you like a little bit more. And just Josh Peck in general did not have a great national indoors. Uh, you look at his results over the course of the weekend, loses to, uh, I believe, South Carolina, loses to Bullis as well. That's obviously not what he's looking for. But, I mean, starting to move forward in this roster, it is worth noting, Maddie, that they bring, you know, looking towards 2021, they bring everyone back like not not just some people back not most people back they bring everyone back and then they add in the number one recruit in the country in uh obviously uh freshman i'm I'm blanking on the name here excuse me i think it's logan zap if memory serves me correct yes and like i they have adam neff as well coming in he's an underrated top recruit out there they this team has probably more talent than last year Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it, right? Because they've only added a couple of pieces that are very, very talented. So there's no question in my mind. This team, this Carolina team, is is the most talented squad in the country. And you talked about the continuity. I mean, that's really the most important part here. They know all three of their doubles teams. Coach Sam Paul, he doesn't have to worry about their doubles lineup. He knows exactly what he's going to throw out there in singles. I think he pretty much knows exactly what he's going to throw out there. Maybe Zap again, he's going to have to figure out, you know, can they come in at, at five or six and contribute there? But for the most part, everything with this team is already in place. So, I, I mean, I just envision them kind of hitting the ground running from the very start. I don't think there's going to be a major adjustment period here. I mean, we've talked about a lot of other teams you know, like a Baylor, right, that's bringing in new pieces, a Stanford that's going to have a couple of freshmen most likely in their lineup. They're going to have to make some adjustments. 
there's going to be no adjustment period for Carolina. They can start they can start hot, and they're always a very good indoor team. So so that's what I expect. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the best part about adding Zap, adding new guys to the rotation is the fact that now you just give yourself a little bit more margin for error. Look, again, not to be disrespectful to Josh Peck, who's six foot five when his ground strokes are landing, when he's hitting the first serve big, he's going to hit, again, 90, 95% of players at number five singles off the court, but uh, or at four singles, excuse me, off the court, but sometimes you lose your rhythm as a big hitter. Sometimes you struggle, and to have that option to turn to Zap, turn to Sondergaard, turn to Kiger, maybe even two out of those three guys, and not give up too much at the bottom of your lineup, uh, that's a big deal. And so, Chris, you know, I you like my favorite term, match calculus. When you're looking at the match calculus for the Tar Heels, what is their, you have to imagine, most frequent path to earning four points throughout the regular season? Well, my match calculus says this. I'm Coach Sam Paul. I tell Will Blumberg, Ben Sigin, Ranky Hijikata, and Brian Cernak, you guys don't go near anybody, okay? You go to practice. You go home. You go into your room. That's it. You stay near no one. There's no chance any of you test positive. I take you four out. We win every match. I don't care. Four on six. We're, I'm fine. We win the doubles point with we win the doubles point with those two teams. We get three out of the four singles matches. We're done. Go home. Yeah. yeah. No. I'm, yeah. I'm good there. The craziest part is you're not wrong. Like, that's the recipe because the problem is, okay, now Hijikata and, and uh, Seguin have to play two doubles and not three. Okay. Like, that's fine. Roll the balls out. Let them play, coach. Like, I think Coach uh, Paul would be just fine with that. And, yeah, I mean, look – Eight-time All-American, you know, one of, what, four or five players in men's Division One history to do that in Will Blumberg. We I, we don't need to go through the accolades. We don't have to go through every individual season. We'll just, you know, his sophomore year, he was the best player in the country. His junior year, he was injured, and yet still that team managed to reach, what was it, semifinals, I believe, of both the National Indoors and the NCAA tournament. They upset the J.J. Wolf Ohio State team in the quarterfinals before losing, I believe, to Wake, although that was a match that drained all of the life out of Borna Gojo. He had nothing left in that final against Texas, and so did the Soderlund match, by the way, in the quarterfinals. That's a story for another time. Um, the point being, you know, in Blumberg's been the core of some really good teams. His freshman year, obviously, they make the NCAA championship. They've made a national indoor final now during his tenure as well. And, you know, guys, all of these players on the roster have had that sort of experience. In Sondegard, in Kiger, you have guys who have played, and in honestly, in Seguin as well. And not to be disrespectful to Cernak and Peck, you have guys who have made deep runs at every national event. The only guy you're shaky on is, okay, maybe Rinky Hijikata. You'd like him to have a little more seasoning. Well, Chris texted us a few days ago going, hey, I think Hijikata might qualify for the Australian Open. And he didn't end up doing that, but he won a match in Australian Open qualifying again. And it's just like that guy's playing three singles pretty unquestionably and so like if zap hits if zap is a plus where you just can't deny him and he's playing six singles or even pressures one of Cernok and peck for four or five like that's just another dimension to this team so maddie i guess when you're looking at the lineup how do you project it you sort of gave your take as well but just again how you see this team getting to four points each and every match 
Yeah. Oh, it's it's an easy lineup. This is probably going to be our easiest lineup to predict, you know, for all of these contenders, right? We've talked about doubles. We know exactly what the doubles lineup is going to be in singles. You're going to go Blumberg. You're going to go Seguin at two. You're going to go Rinky at three, Cernok at four, indoors, Peck at five. And then I could see um, Sondergaard at six indoors for sure. Um, or Logan Zapp, maybe. I wouldn't mind. I mean, if he comes out and shows you know, what he can do early, I don't think Coach Sam Paul would have any problem pulling Sondergaard at six and putting a Logan Zap in there if he's got that type of uh, ability. But, you know, just to go with a little bit of continuity, Sondergaard at six to start indoors. Then as soon as you go outdoors, Kiger, Zap, take your pick. There's your six. Easy. They're going to win all their matches for the most yeah. part. No, this is going to make Chris really happy for two reasons. One, obviously, predictions never far from the listed UTR. Two, uh, he'll, it'll make him happy because it'll make Coach Macy happy. And by the way, at the beginning, I said all of these people have been so kind to us. Thank you to all of these coaches, except for Coach Macy. Talk about it. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, big Coach Macy fans here <laughs> on this program, but he might actually hear that, so I know he'll appreciate it. Um Look, when you look at the UTRs for UNC compared to the other top six teams, and I throw Stanford in the mix now because by UTR they belong in the mix. Uh, in terms of top three, UNC's favored at all three positions against Wake Forest. A little cheating there because I put Rinky at two. They're favored against at all three positions against Ohio State, and I believe they're favored at all three positions against Baylor as well. The only teams where they are not favored to win the top three matches are against, uh, of course, your beloved USC Trojans, Chris, and against uh, the Stanford Cardinal, who you guys have been on me all offseason saying, watch out for Stanford. And so, yeah, you know, the match calculus we talk about, it's pretty obvious. You know, Blumberg at one, Seguin at two, Hijikata at three. They can beat any team, any player in the country on any given day. My question to you now, Matt, when you look at Cernok, Peck, Sondergaard, Zapper, Kiger, how do you think that bottom three stacks up with the other top contenders we've talked about? How do you know? Do you think they'll struggle? They'll get swept when they play top teams at the bottom part of their lineup, or do you think they'll be you know pretty pretty all right, pretty solid? Yeah, I, I think they're competitive. They're absolutely competitive. These guys are way too good. You're talking about Brian Cerna, Josh Peck, Logan Zapp. Matt Kiger, Simon Sondergaard. These guys are way too good to just get blown out by these other teams. Now, I, I think, right, if you're another team like a Wake Forest or a Baylor or a Stanford or one of the USC, I think you're going to have to win four through six. Like, that's where if, if there's any spots that are susceptible, it is that lower portion of the lineup I think that is where they're going to lose their matches. But is it going to be enough to lose the dual match? That's the question. I think they could lose five or six or four and six or four and five or any combination of four, five, and six. But are they going to lose all three of them? And then are they going to lose the doubles point? Like when you look at it, I, it's just, it's going to be very tough for any team in the country to take four points off of these guys. But if they're going to do it, it's going to have to come four through six. Just random fun stat of the day, number one. As a freshman in 2017, Will Blumberg, 24-1 and 
at the number two singles position. That's freaking nuts. Like, I appreciate the additional season of Will Blumberg, anyone, because he really is one of the best college tennis players of the 2010s since the moment he walked into college tennis, the serve, the forehand, his willingness to approach the net. It all worked. And again, there's a comfort you can play with at other parts of the lineup knowing, okay, we're probably up 2-0. We've got doubles. We've got Will. That's two points on the board. But Chris... You know, we talked about it a little in the Wake preview pod. We talked about it a little in the Baylor pod. When you look at the four through six positions, again, same question to you. Do you think Carolina is vulnerable there? Well, if if they're vulnerable, that's absolutely where they're vulnerable. I mean, if, if you're somebody coming in trying to beat them, you I mean, you have to be thinking to yourself, we need all three of those matches. I mean, five and six should be very winnable matches for top flight level teams uh, coming in for, and I'm with Maddie in the fact that even though last year, I think in many of the matches they played Peck four, Cernok five, especially yeah. indoors. I don't think that that should, I think it'll be Cernok four, Peck five. Uh, in, in many, I think, you know, Cernok will be a little, you know, it'll be a little tougher to take him out at four, but you, you basically got to look at yourself and go, we're going to win those three matches and then again, either doubles or one of those top three, nobody's coming in thinking we're beating Will Blumberg. I don't care who you are. That's not what you're thinking. You know, you'd love, you want your shot at him. You're not expecting a win. So now you're down to, okay, are we beating Ben? Or are we beating Rinky? And honestly, I think if you're trying to take out one of those two guys, it's Ben. Rinky's going to be so ridiculously solid at three because he's down at three and the level he's playing that I look at, you know, if you're USC and you're going, okay, it's Riley Smith and uh, against Ben, or it's Moore against Ben. That's a, Somebody's got to do it. So what's the lineup that's going to give us the shot to take him down, grab the bottom three matches, or we have to win doubles? It's one of the two. Yeah, my question for this team, and it's a, it's sort of stupid, but you look at the run of success they've had, national indoor title, what was that, 2016, again, the team final, 2017, Who's the Robert Kelly, the, you know, the, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on it, Bo Boyden of this team? Who's the spiritual center? And I know it's Will Blumberg, but here's the thing. Blumberg wins matches in 45 minutes, or he'll lose the match in 45 minutes. The point is, he's on and off the court, and then he's on the sideline. Who's the guy in this lineup that's making the noise that there are tight matches at four, five, six, whatever? Who's the emotional bedrock? Is it is it uh, Ben Seguin at the two singles position? Maybe. He's a guy who gets fiery, and I know those sorts of things are very superficial on the margins. Again, they're the number one team in our preseason poll. They're going to win so many more matches that they lose. This, then they lose this season. The only thing that can slow them down might legitimately be a pandemic. But I don't know. Where's the oomph coming, Maddie, from this roster? <sighs> gruskin, Gruskin, Gruskin. Here you go again, man. Does it really matter? Do we need an oomph from this roster? You mentioned my guys, right? Robert Kelly, Bo Boyden. I grew up with those guys. They're North Carolina guys. I love those guys. They didn't win a national title with those guys. They don't have any rings. So what good did that get them? I don't think that matters, right? I don't care if I've got I've got guys out there, you know, rah, rah. You know, that's all fine. But look, the makeup of this team, I just, I think they're a lot more business-like. They're going to go out there. They're going to handle their business. Like you said, Will's going to win in 45 to 60 minutes, handle his business. That's going to be good enough. 
right? Like, I'm not looking at a guy that needs to be getting fired up. They'll do that pre-match, right? Whether it's Will, whether it's Ben, they're going to get the guys fired up. But when we're talking throughout the course of the dual match, I don't necessarily need a guy that's out there just completely hyping everybody up. They're too good for that. They just have too much talent. It doesn't matter. Here's where I'm going to disagree with you, and Maddie, if you have something to say, jump in immediately after. If not, Chris would love to hear your thoughts on this. When things go to script, I agree with you. Don't You don't need to show up for the match. North Carolina is going to beat you. If things stay according to schedule, North Carolina is winning the match the moment both teams show up to the courts. They just are. With the amount of talent they have, with, as you mentioned, the business-like attitude, you saw their warm-up before the national indoors. It was, hey, we are here to win. That is our goal. And there's a looseness about USC, though. They played freer in the bigger moments. You could just see something about that. And again, Given the parity between these top five teams, I'll throw Stanford in there and say top six as well. Stanford, Ohio State, Baylor, Wake Forest, USC, and UNC. There are going to be nut-crunching moments. There are going to be deuce points, three all in the third set. This dual match is coming down to you. Don't f*** this up. And, like, I'm not saying this North Carolina team has a propensity to F things up because I don't think they do. But I don't think it's going to be the guy who on their team you probably want most in that situation in Will Blumberg because he'll have already won his match. I don't think it's going to be Rinky Hijikata because he's already won his match. And so, for me, it's those other four guys. Do they have those extra oomph? Like, where is that fourth point coming from or that third? You know, you need to win four flights in singles today. Who's going to be the guy for them? And I think all of them are capable of stepping up. But that's my biggest question is you need the Nick Beatty, right? Who just has this six-week stretch. No, no, no. Bear me out. No, you don't it, Don't make that face at me, Maddie. Sorry, you guys are listening to this in podcast form. Matt just made a face at me as if, I don't know how else to say it, as if I cut a fart directly under his nose. And he's like, that is the single most disgusting thing any human could have possibly done in this moment. Um, here's what I mean. Again, when it was crunch time, it felt like you had Robert Kelly out on the court. We saw Bo Boyd and clinch, what was it, three matches in a row in their run to the NCAA singles final? Who's that guy for North Carolina? And that's the best problem in the world to have, Maddie. That's what I'm saying is like, this is an on the margins problem. But it is the thing I'm wondering is outside of Will Blumberg, who on this team has the clutch gene? Because when you're beating teams 4-0, you don't need to worry about that. But when it's crunch time like that USC match, who's going to be the guy who steps up? Chris, take it from here. <laughs> I mean, all I can say, Maddie, is if we need to tell Will to just tank the second set so that he <laughs> can be the guy there, fine, that's what we'll do, Gruskin. He'll be the guy there. No, but the bottom line is, yeah, Will's going to be off the court. And you know what? He's going to be sitting there behind Josh Peck's court, behind Sondergaard's court. And those guys are going to be playing every point and turning around. And the first thing they're doing is looking right at him. And he's there telling them they've got it. They don't need, you know, they're going to be just fine with Will, whether he's still on the court or whether he's there, you know, rooting them on, which is where he will be. Yeah, again, I don't disagree with you guys. That's not what I'm trying—I guess I'm not conveying my point very well. And for the record, I think this guy is going to be Brian Cernok. I think he's going to be sneaky exceptional at the number four or five singles position. I think he's going to win them a lot of cheap dual matches down at the bottom of the lineup just with his brand of tennis, the way 
He's so aggressive, looks to move forward. He plays to win. I think that's the guy. I'm just saying, I would like to see a little more, you know, a little more seasoning, a little more sprinkling, because as good as some of the guys on this UNC team have been, I just feel a little stung after that ITA indoor final. There was a, can you at least acknowledge this, Chris? There was a looseness about the USC team that after they won the doubles point, you were like, oh my God, like they're, they're winning this. Like they're, again, there was just, they had a calmness about them that it seemed that UNC lacked. And I know that's a superficial, non-quantifiable trait, but it existed. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And, and frankly, if you're going to beat North Carolina, you better feel like that because you're not going to yeah. go in tight and turn around and beat North Carolina. You better – if you don't believe, you know, like uh, like Henry Ford said, you know, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Okay? So if you don't think you can, you're not doing it. Uh, you just – for the record, next week I will be saying he quotes Henry Ford in the intro because that's a very telling, <laughs> very telling thing about you. And, um, and, perfect. And to one other point – about who is the guy going to be, and you said, is it going to be Ben again? It is absolutely not going to be Ben again. The only guy he's going to be getting loud with is the guy across the net, okay? <laughs> That's going to be one intense match, but it's not going laterally to the guys on the other courts. It's all focused on the guy across the net in that match. Yeah. Matty, you looked like you had a point to say. You want to jump in? Well, I was just get one last thing here to wrap this up. Gruskin, I feel like you're, you're getting burned by last year's match. Yeah, and, so— and- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. That was a very odd situation, yes. right? Okay. The chances of Will serving for the doubles point again and losing it are slim to none. That's a situation that we may not even see that again this year where they choke that doubles point away. So I just think you're looking at such a rare instance there and you're that's burned into your brain. And I get it. But it's like, okay, let's just move past that. They're not going to be in that situation that many times again. And yeah, okay, if they choke another doubles point in a championship match, maybe they lose. I'll give you that. For the record, this is why the analytical questions go to Chris and not me, because I'm trying to tell the story here. And what I have realized is you're correct in the sense that it's not a detraction from UNC, and I'm looking. I, I, that's the way I framed it, and I shouldn't have. It shouldn't have been a detraction from UNC. They lost that match. It actually tells you more about the USC team. It tells you more about how loose they were, how ready they were on that day to win a championship. But it is just something worth noting. Again, that is probably the one thing I would point out about this UNC team is I want to see them win a damn title. Like they come close all the time. They make a lot of finals. But I want to see this team get over the hump. Will Blumberg feels like the guy who can take this Carolina program there. That's maybe the biggest question in men's Division One tennis heading into the 2021 season. And, of course, one of the good things, again, about doing these later podcasts, when we look at the conference power rankings, try to make some predictions for the year, we actually have a schedule in front of us. Chris, I want to go to you first here on this topic because it, it, feel, it feels, feels, feels notable that it's primarily entirely ACC teams right now for North Carolina on the schedule. Sons a trip to and from. I believe South Carolina for a home and home, but your thoughts on uh, the Tar Heels schedule and just you know where you expect them to see uh, where you expect them to be after playing that schedule. Well, yeah, I mean, so they've got a schedule posted on the website that, to your point, shows you know only 
conference competition, uh, with the exception of that the South Carolina matches. I'm I'm hopeful we haven't we and you know as you stated earlier we haven't had our chance to talk to Coach Paul yet. Clearly, should the schedule still show that when we talk to him, that'll be one of our first questions. I would hope that's not the final schedule and that they will have the opportunity to play some out of conference matches because that's not uh, you know I don't believe that that is we know that's not an ACC mandate right. We've seen the Wake schedule. We've talked to Tony. Uh, we we know there are that they are, have the ability from a conference standpoint to play other matches. So I'm hopeful that maybe they just haven't lined that up yet. If indeed that is the only schedule they've got, yeah, that it, it gets a little tricky now because you're limiting the number of uh, the number of match chances you have to put your and even if you run the table like we would expect, you just don't get that many big point matches, you're not playing those out of conference matches against the Ohio state other than indoors, right? Against the Ohio States, against the Baylors, against, you know, the other top teams in the country against the, the Southern Cal. So, so yeah, it could get a little bit tricky, uh, but we don't yet know exactly how the rankings are going to work this year. We'll save that for, for a, that was one of the questions that came in on the mailbag. So we'll save that conversation for then. Uh, but yeah, it's it's very possible that they could be if this ends up being the schedule, they could be a somewhat underrated team simply due to the lack of opportunity to play the better schools, you know, other than indoors, so they better get to indoors. Maddie, we talked about this a little bit in the Wake Forest podcast. Wake Forest, UNC on a tier of their own in that ACC conference. But, of course, NC State, Virginia, I mean, tournament teams without question, and there are many other tournament teams within the ACC conference. Does their schedule concern you at all, that outside the national indoors, at least for now, it doesn't look like they're going to get too many swings at, you know, the big cats this season? Yeah, I don't know if I would say concerning, um, but interesting. It's notable. It's definitely notable and something that I'm going to be following. I think if they win national indoors, it's not going to matter, right? They win national indoors. They roll through the ACC. They're going to be fine, and they will get to indoors, guys. Their kickoff uh, region is Northwestern, Duke, and South Carolina, they will not lose any of those matches. Take that to the bank right now. So they will be at Illinois for the national indoors. The question is, are they going to win it? If they do, I think they're just fine. If they if they slip up early and, and drop a match or maybe even two matches at indoors, then, then that could be very interesting. I don't think that's going to be the case. So overall, I think their schedule is going to be fine. And they, they have that main match against Wake Forest which I, I know we know that they're playing home and home, but the one that's going to count for the conference is in Chapel Hill. And that's a big advantage. So, I mean, for me, Carolina is clearly the favorite in the ACC. Yeah, Maddie. Yeah, I mean, Maddie, you mentioned that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Maddie mentioned that Wake Forest match. And what, and, and what makes me think that this schedule is probably, you know, they've maybe only put much of the ACC conference in is they've only showed the one Wake Forest match on the schedule, which is the ACC match, right? So I'm hopeful yeah. that that means they just haven't put a lot of the other matches in. But the other point there, uh, Alex, is that uh, the concerning part that Maddie talked about, yeah, concerning for North Carolina, no. The concern is for the other teams, 
We all think North Carolina is the best team in the country. We don't care what seed they are. I don't care if they're unseeded right. going into the NCAA tournament. We're all going to pick them, okay? As long as the, the whole team is there and they're healthy, we're all picking North Carolina. The problem is kind of like what you would have looked at last year with a Baylor team, like, say, had Brooksby come in and finally played and the season continued, and all of a sudden they come to your region as a three or a four seed uh, for the NCAA tournament. That's the concerning part is, oh, what if they're not the top seed? Now somebody gets, you know, gets blindsided by these guys, gets a horrible draw because they're the four or five seed. And all of a sudden they, you, you know, you're the top seed and you get them in the semis because they were four. That's the, that's the concerning part. It's for the other schools, not for North Carolina. Yeah, no, I mean. Look, again, there was a tangible feeling North Carolina, despite all the craziness we saw on kickoff draft, uh, during the kickoff draft, North Carolina was unequivocally a school everyone was trying to avoid, and those sorts of things matter. Uh, you know, when we talk about the team rankings in our rankings pod, we will certainly point out the fact that them being at number two feels low um, in the in the ITA preseason poll, but that being said... I mean, they lost to USC. I suppose you let the champs be the champs until you go elsewhere. That's not what we did, and Coach Macy has justifiably been on us about that. But, of course, uh, no, I mean, look, I, yeah, it, I'm not concerned about this UNC team because of what we talked about when breaking down their roster. A lot of these guys, Kiger, Sondegard, Blumberg, Seguin, they don't need to play another college match. They're, even Josh Peck, who's a fifth-year senior. They, they've seen it all. They've been there, done that. Cernok. Hijikata, Zap, who you're going to be counting on at certain points of the season, especially given the fact we're playing during the midst of a pandemic, they need to get reps under your belt. And it's just like you can't afford to play Zap at six singles at the National Indoors maybe because that's going to be your three chances at top 10 ranked opponents. And you just need to get those wins for later in the season. And that's that's one of those little things that does bother me. But of course, I expect to see more matches on their schedule. I think all of us do as well. And that's something certainly we will ask Coach Paul about when we speak with him. But you know, with that in mind, let's make some predictions, fellas, where this team is going this year. They're number one preseason team for us for a reason. Maddie, I'll start with you, and I know you wrote about this in your article, but again, why do you have them as your preseason national champions? Yeah, I mean, I picked them last year, right? You guys will remember that. I thought they were going to do it last year, and, and now, you know, another year under their belts, everybody's back. They bring in a good recruiting class. Why would I deviate from that? I have no reason not to pick North Carolina as the national champion. I think this is going to be the year that they get it done. Look, guys like Will and Josh Peck and, and you know, Sondergaard, these guys came back for a reason. Again, they didn't have to come back. They want to win the title badly, like very badly. So I think that's going to be the mission from day one. You know that they have that written in their locker room. They want that title bad. And it just seems like this kind of a, a weird season, you know, COVID, everything going on. It just seems like they have the continuity. They have the talent. They have all the pieces are there in place. And, and I think they're going to get it done. They are my pick once again to win it all. Chris, same question to you. Where do you see this Tar Heel team ending this season? Yeah, I mean, I, we were unanimous across the board. We've all got them ranked number one. I, I, I'm i not going to deviate. I think they win the conference. I think they win the national indoors. I think they win the national title in May. Uh, I, I mean, I think, it, you know, uh, assuming 
that everybody stays in, in the yes. lineup. I, you know, yes. You've, you've talked about the fact that they've added a couple pieces and that, you know, you can't get worse when all you do is add, but they still are not, in my mind, as deep as some of these other teams. They're not as deep as a Wake Forest. They're not as deep as a Baylor. And should anything happen that causes them to miss one or more guys from that lineup, then yeah, they are more susceptible. But given a completely 100% healthy and present lineup, that's my pick to, to, to win it all, both indoors and outdoors. Yeah, I mean, again, they are number two in the country in the preseason rankings. You look at where they're at individually in the ITA national rankings. They've got, you know, Will obviously starts the season ranked at number two in the country. Seguin, number 41. Hijikata, 55. Josh Peck, number 100. Again, in doubles, they've got Kiger Sondegard, number five in the country. Blumberg, Cernok, number six, and their only unranked team crazily is the team of Seguin and Hijikata, two top 60 players in the country in singles. And so I think on paper, this team is pretty certainly the team to beat. Now, I don't put them in the Virginia category, in the Wake Forest category of I will be shocked if any other team wins the national title in 2021, but that's a testament to Baylor, Wake Forest, Ohio State, USC, Stanford, the talent, all of those teams bring back in 2021. That being said, one of the first, the easiest part of our preseason poll was we were like, okay, North Carolina won, right? And we were just kind of like, yep, 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 across the board. And even though they lost to USC in that final match, when you have the best player in the country, that means something. And they have the best player in the country in singles, in doubles, and maybe in the past 10 years in Will Blumberg. And it's crazy to think Stevie Johnson now has been out of college tennis. This is the 10th year. he No, he was still around in 2012, uh, 2012 so nine-year anniversary. But the point being, Will Blumberg's phenomenal. Sometimes you bet on the best player. That's what I'm doing here. I agree with you guys. National champions, for me, should be North Carolina. And by the way, I think they're going to sweep the men's and the women's, and that's a special feat for the North Carolina tennis program. A lot of people deserve credit for where North Carolina is at right now. But of course, course that will do it for our college contender series 11 teams up 11 teams down to recap and i'm going to do them off the top of my head here so guys correct me if i'm wrong number 11 georgia number 10 michigan number 9 florida number 8 stanford number 7 texas a&m number 6 tcu number 5 usc number 4 ohio state number 3 baylor number 2 uh wake forest and of course finally number 1 the unc Tar Heels. Now, we'll talk about this more in the rankings podcast. Feels worth noting in the ITA rankings, Wake Forest, number 12 in their rankings. Baylor, number 15 right now in their rankings. They're also a little bit higher on Texas than us. They have them tied for six. NC State, they have at number eight. Those are things we will all litigate again in our rankings podcast. So for all of you listeners looking for more college tennis content before the season begins, be on the lookout for those. Again, we've got our mailbag podcast, our rankings podcast, our ITA preview podcast all on the horizon. So be on the lookout for all of those things. And of course, to read or catch up on any of our college contender series turn to the website crackrackets.com you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube we are at cracked rackets you want to message me directly i am at great shot pod shout out as always to our super producers max flicker and daniel westoff for the 
of an ending job they do day in day out shout out as well to our friends at DraftKings dkng.co slash cracked open is the promo code and of course be on the lookout for our GSP aces of the day which we will bring back when we have a full slate of professional tennis action with us once again but with that in mind Maddie, I want to go to you first then Chris any final thoughts on the Tar Heels uh, yeah they're they're gonna be a really really good team fun to watch and uh, shout out to you guys. We made it another year. College contenders always have fun uh, talking some college tennis with both of you guys. So um, we'll keep it up next year, I'm sure. Shout out to you guys indeed. Christopher, the professor, any final thoughts? Make it analytical. Ah, no, no, no analytics. My only final thought, you know, has to go back to one of the last statements you made. I'm not taking the Tar Heels to win them both. They might win them both indoors, outdoors. Go Waves. I got you, Pear. Pepperdine takes it. (laughs) (laughs) Only undefeated team, by the way, during the 2020 season. They probably deserve their own episode. But, yeah, when they win the Michigan region, then uh, we can all sign. The women. Oh, 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 I thought you oh, you said go pair. See, here I was thinking you were backing the undefeated Pepperdine men's tennis team. But of course, once again, incorrect in this moment. Um, no, I, again, I think all of these things are fair. I think it should be a really fun season. And we thank all of you who listened along with us again. We will be with you for the ride throughout the entire 2021 season. Matt, Chris, and I are going to get together at least once a week to talk about what's going on in the college tennis world. We've also got some really fun coverage things for you our NFL red zone type show for kickoff weekend. We'll be going site to site, region to region, covering all of the action as it unfolds, jumping between match to match as things heat up at each site. So be on the lookout for links to that. And of course, if you're listening to this and we haven't already, get your questions in in our mailbag podcast or go listen to that mailbag podcast because it is certain to be so much fun. But with that in mind, For my wonderful co-host, who again helped us steer the ship here over these past 11 weeks. 11 weeks, fellas! That's how long we've been doing it for the wonderful Mac the Cracks, the Koyak, the Professor Chris Halliors, our super producers Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I am your host, Alex Gruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell the people? Hey! Hey! Great shot! Great shot! And we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.